I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Friday to you. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. And of course, download the KSL Sports app if you haven't done that yet. I'm uh, going to answer your questions again in this podcast. That's why you should follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. So when I do uh, send out that tweet asking for your questions, you can send them in and I try and get them answered right here for you pretty quickly. Turn around and hopefully a little more thorough uh, as I can talk through them a little bit. So I appreciate everyone who does that. Uh, Really quick, last night, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert drafted to the All-Star team. Yes, they were the last two players picked. I know Jazz fans are really upset about that. I'll talk about it coming up in some of these questions here. But it's going to be fun to see Rudy Gobert playing with Quinn Snyder. In fact, that's probably a better setup uh, than it would have been had Donovan Mitchell been with with Quinn Snyder. I just think Quinn obviously knows how to generate things to get Rudy going. Not that they're going to run a ton of actual plays in the uh, in the All Star game, but that there will be uh, uh, some good protection for Rudy there. I think not that uh, he needed it last season because he had 21 points and 11 rebounds in like 19 minutes or something crazy. So should be fun. Uh, I think the All-Star Games could be really cool coming up on Sunday. And I actually think Donovan Mitchell will probably perform pretty well in the three-point shooting contest. So it should be a fun Sunday event for Jazz fans. All right, let's get to the questions. Always happy to answer these, and I really appreciate you guys sending them in. Gagne starts us off on Twitter uh, and says, Possibility to see more Gobert and Favors together versus big teams to close games. Uh, I think we will see more variations in lineups from Quinn Snyder in the second half of the season because the Jazz have been pretty... Uh, singular in their vision and their identity, and I think Quinn Snyder will probably start to adjust to that as teams adjusted to the Jazz and what they've done in the first half because they had that two-month stretch where they were unbeatable and could just run out this lineup and nobody was prepared for it, and now teams are seeing the Jazz for the second time and adjusting and preparing, and now the Jazz have to counter-adjust. You know, the Jazz make that that cross-examination they 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 readjust to what they did initially and then to what the second or what the team has done to them uh their opponent the second time around so i think you'll start to see that i won't be surprised if we see more favors and go bear together for stretches i won't be surprised if we see samples where joe ingles closes games instead of boyan bogdanovich he struggled defensively uh and joe's still shooting the ball really well from three so i think the jazz have some options there that they can go to uh, that probably makes sense. Uh, but but yeah, I think we'll see some variations. Good question. Uh, Lalo says, do you think we can stay atop the West at the end of the season? I do think the Jazz are going to stay atop the West. I do think 
they're going to end up uh, winning the the Western Conference and having the best record. First of all, it might mean as much to them as it does anybody in the West. The Lakers don't necessarily need it. I don't think the Clippers feel like they'll need it. They're going to be happier to rest their players uh, down the stretch. Just they they want to make the postseason. They want to be healthy, and they think with their talent. Uh, they can win one game on the road, even though this isn't like it was last season where you're playing in Orlando, and they'll have enough talent to to get home court advantage back. And I think that's probably accurate. The Jazz would love the idea of playing a Game 7 at home. The Jazz would love to open a playoff series with a chance to go up 2-0 as opposed to just trying to steal one on the road. So I do think it's going to have some importance. Phoenix, obviously, is going to have something to say about that. They're surging. They're only two and a half games back of the Jazz right now with the All-Star break as well. So uh, I think those two teams probably want it more. I think the ease of the Jazz schedule probably gives them the advantage of, of getting that home court advantage and the fact that Quinn Snyder has not shown like he's all that interested in resting Jazz players for stretches, even though I thought they were pretty tired, clearly, at the end of the first half of the season. Uh, I think if the Jazz are still in contention for the top overall seed, they will opt for that and prefer that, especially if the Jazz are going to be a team that's already putting more fans inside the arenas. So I think between motivation and opportunity the Jazz probably are going to be the team that uh, really fights the hardest to get to the uh, the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, good question. Brett, do the Jazz make a move for Tucker? Last night I tweeted out uh, after Rudy and Don got drafted as the last two players in the All-Star draft that the Jazz could use a villain because, you know, there are a lot of people last night were saying, hey, Jazz should lean into this idea that they're hated and nobody likes them, and I think so that's true. Um but here's the thing, Donovan Mitchell's like the nicest guy, and Rudy Gobert's super nice and kind of sensitive and in like a very good way. And I don't think they have it in them to turn the switch to be the villain. Neither of them wants to be hated. Neither of them likes to be hated. It's not naturally what Donovan is made of, and it's the complete opposite of what Rudy Gobert's been fighting for, which I think his whole life, from being this seven-foot, unheralded, lanky kid from uh, uh, France, he's just wanted to be accepted in this this kind of guy who's allowed on the inside and not be othered his whole life and not be an outsider his whole life. He's fought so hard to not do that, that it keeps getting put in front of him that he's the other and he's just not embracing it. And that's good for him. He, if that's not what he wants and that's not what's going to make him happy, you know, be accepted. He wanted to be Defensive Player of the Year. He figured out how to do it. He wanted to be an all-star. He figured out how to do it. He wants to be on a really good championship-level team, and, and the Jazz have the best record in the West. So he's trying to figure out how to do all these things. I don't think he's suddenly going to turn heel and, and become this you know NBA villain that exists out there. Some guys are very comfortable doing it. Some guys have absolutely no problem doing it. P.J. Tucker is one of them and is probably the guy who's most readily available in the NBA that could fill that role. He makes $8 million a year. Simply put, the Jazz don't have the salaries to match unless they're going to trade Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal, and Joe and Royce are better than P.J. Tucker, so you don't make that move. But if he gets bought out, if he gets waived, and you know something happens with Brooklyn where he's not available there or doesn't make sense on the Lakers, then yeah, maybe maybe the Jazz are a good opportunity to, to try and sign him as a, a free agent. And I saw a bunch of fans last night after I kind of sent out my tweet that said, anybody but P.J. Tucker, he hates Rudy Gobert. It, that's exactly why you bring him on. Like you, you exactly bring in Dennis Rodman to the Bulls because Dennis Rodman tried to kill Michael Jordan when he played for the Bad Boy Pistons. Like you bring in the guy that they hate each other the most because they're probably not going to hate each other in the locker room. But you kind of squash that, and then you put it out on the floor that you've got these two guys, and Jazz fans would love 
P.J. Tucker for the, the way he plays, his physical style, the fact that he could sit in the corner and hit some threes occasionally, which is kind of the one offensive skill set he still has in his career, can play a little bit of defense for a few minutes a game. You're not going to play him 25 minutes. There's not that, that type of opportunity. But against the Clippers, against one of the Morrises, maybe against the Lakers in some of these situations, you could certainly use a P.J. Tucker. So I think it would make sense from a fit. I think he'd make sense personality-wise, which I know is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people would say, and I think he'd actually bring in a different dynamic. But how you get him, you've got maybe the fewest opportunities to make a trade for him of anybody out there. So you need him to get waived, and then you sign him off of waivers or let him clear waivers, and then you sign him as a free agent. So I, I, I think it would fit. I think the Jazz, you know, I know they only have 13 players under contract, so they could certainly use another body. I certainly don't think they've uh, they've ruled that out, uh, but that's the type of of guy I think could potentially fit in and give this team an attitude adjustment that I think actually Quinn Snyder would embrace. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert would have some pressure let off their shoulders by a veteran who's okay being the heel and uh, and you move on from there. But I, I think that would be a pretty interesting team and an interesting fit with the Jazz, even if it's just a, a, a short sample size where you're just trying to get them for the last 30 games of the season. Uh, Jake on Twitter have you listened to the podcast Whistleblower? It's got some interesting accusations about NBA calling. It's sports entertainment and not true athletic event. If I remember correctly, that's the Tim Donaghy uh, podcast. He was the ref that, you know, got caught trying to fix games and betting on other games. I guess he said he wasn't fixing his own games, but he was betting on other teams uh, and other games because he knew how referees were playing and he got banned from the NBA. I will just say this about Tim Donaghy. I fear he's going to tell you anything you want to hear. If you're a big market and he says you're favoring big markets, or the league does, then why are you going to care? You're not above that. You you root for the Lakers or you root for you know Dallas or Toronto, whatever you want to call a big market is in the NBA. Those are certainly big cities. And say, well, yeah, of course they want us to win. There's, there's, there's more fans there, and, and it makes sense. It's good for the league, and it's good for me personally. I root for that team. And then if you're a small market team like Memphis or Salt Lake or you know Denver or whatever, you can say, well, yeah, of course they're going to have it out for us. They don't want to see us win. It, it becomes self-fulfilling however you want to look at it. So I think I would hesitate reading into what uh, Tim Donaghy says. But you know, certainly there are, there are issues where the biggest markets in the NBA have – have traditionally dominated. I do think we're having good signs though, where you're getting a few more one-off champions like we did with Toronto. And maybe we'll see it again this year. I think there's a possibility that we see a different team that hasn't won a championship recently. And maybe it's still the Los Angeles Clippers and it's a big market or the Brooklyn Nets and it's a huge market, but at least it's a new name. And I think we're actually maybe getting to a point where we're not going to have these long runs of dominance from one individual player and one individual team as LeBron James at some point in his career probably comes to an end, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he never stops playing at this level. Uh, King Goldchains on Twitter. What are your thoughts on the insane amount of hate the Jazz organization, State of Utah, Don and Rudy are getting by mainstream media and clearly other players in the league? I do think two things happened. One, I think there was the night in Philadelphia where I think the Jazz felt very wronged by the referees. And clearly this is something that was existing underneath the crust that we, even we, I mean the people who cover the team, and certainly you guys as fans, uh, probably didn't recognize was as close to the top and as close to breaking through as it was because 
Donovan and, and, and Rudy lost it. I, I mean, that's so uncharacteristic of those two players to not just say, hey, we think we got a couple of bad calls because Rudy said that two nights ago or three nights ago. He said he thought the Jazz were you know, a bad call away from, from having a chance to win the game uh, in their loss to New Orleans. He thought he got fouled by, uh, by Zion Williamson or, or there should have been a no call. Clearly, this is something that's been smoldering and it finally broke through and it burst. And then, coincidentally, you aired the All-Star Draft. Now, to let you see behind the scenes, the All-Star Draft was actually recorded before the Philadelphia 76ers game. So it wasn't like LeBron and KD saw that and said, oh, I'm going to punish those guys for saying they should have won a game or they won a game that was taken from them. That didn't happen because they simply couldn't have seen the game at that point. It was just on a 24-hour delay. Um, I do think there's some gatekeeper mentality going on right now with LeBron and KD where KD is probably the best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference so he's not playing and I know technically Philly still has the best record but obviously Brooklyn's a better team and LeBron every year kind of gets ruled out and then at the end of the season he's the best player probably should win an MVP and his teams are always in the mix including the Lakers winning the championship last year so when you have a team like the Jazz who haven't proven anything yet in the playoffs and were eliminated in the first round last year, and Donovan Mitchell's getting this love, and people are saying, should he be in the MVP conversation? And Rudy Gobert's getting this love, and people are asking, should he be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation? I do think that rubs these guys with these huge egos the wrong way. Even if they have every accolade, guaranteed Hall of Famers, hundreds of millions of dollars, they still want to control the league. And and they were given a spot of control. They were voted the best players in the the captains in the All-Star game. So I think... It's more gatekeeper than it is a condemnation on the Jazz or the state of Utah or the city of Salt Lake or Jazz fans. And then it ended up being really bad timing because it went back-to-back with the 76ers game where Jazz fans and the Jazz players already felt very disrespected. So I think it was just more bad timing than anything. And then it was a little bit more gatekeeper behavior from LeBron and KD than it was a specific slight towards the Jazz. And the only reason you would feel that way right now about the Jazz is because they're doing well. Because nobody talks about the Jazz, even if they're you know the fourth seed or the fifth seed in the, the West. Nobody cares what they're doing. Nobody's jealous of them. Nobody's trying to cut them down a notch. Nobody's trying to do that unless they're the best team in the NBA. And right now they're the best team in the NBA. So that's why they're doing it. That's why you're getting this type of weird kind of pettiness directed towards the Jazz. But that is what happens when you're the best team in the NBA. And I'm sure Jazz fans have felt that way. You know, if the Suns right now were the best team in the league and had the best record, there would be a ton of doubt from Utah about whether or not Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton could carry a team to the finals. And I think the Jazz are just experiencing it. You're just on the other side of the window. So I think that's the hard part to deal with. Uh, but I think that's the justification for it, and I think that actually makes sense. James Liu on Twitter. Should the Jazz try to pursue Blake Griffin on the buyout market? I say no, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. I actually don't think Blake is a total non-fit for the Jazz because I think he probably has more left in the tank than what he showed in Detroit, but injuries really have robbed him of his athleticism. When it looks like he's still trying to play hard, he doesn't look like he can guard anybody. I mean, like Royce O'Neal's crossing him over and getting to the rim... Royce O'Neal's not that type of player. He shouldn't be able to get separation off the dribble against a guy who was one time as athletic as Blake is, but maybe that's just fully gone, and he's probably more of a 13-minute-per-night guy off the bench for a good team. And the Jazz could have that type of guy. 
Uh, I think they could certainly use that type of guy. I just don't necessarily think that they're going to be in the running to go and get him. But the upside, uh, and it kind of goes back to the P.J. Tucker conversation, is I I don't know if Blake going to a team like Brooklyn helps them a ton. Like They they need more low-post defense, and I get that they've totally turned their defense around after they traded for Harden, and DeAndre Jordan's kind of come back to life, and they've kind of figured out this, this issue that they had I still think they're a little maybe singular in their identity defensively and good teams in the uh, in the postseason will learn how to exploit that and find their weakness and just go after it over and over. So I don't think adding Blake gives them any versatility, especially on that side of the ball. If he takes up that a roster spot for them and the next guy who gets bought out or waived or whatever, like P.J. Tucker, now says, well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to compete with Blake for minutes because he's already signed and has maybe played four or five games there or 10 games, and I'm not getting waived till the end of March. I'm going to go look somewhere else. Maybe that helps the Jazz. Maybe the Jazz do move up a notch or move up a spot, and they say, hey, we think there's minutes where Boyan struggles or if they don't want to play George Niang in the postseason, even though I think they will, uh, they can use some of that, and they could use a little bit more offensive or defensive versatility. So I actually don't think Blake Griffin going to Brooklyn is a bad thing for the Jazz, and I think there's going to be options for the Jazz to fill out this roster with another player, should they choose to do so. Maybe they don't. You know, they're they're 18 games over 500, and they, they haven't had a 14th player, 15th player that they've relied upon yet to this point, and maybe they just say, hey, we're happy under the cap. It gives us more flexibility in future seasons. To, well, if they are under the cap, they might not quite be, but you know, to not hit repeater tax if they can figure out a way to uh, to fully get under the tax. I think there's certainly opportunities there for the Jazz to improve or preserve future flexibility with this roster. So that that's how I would look at the Blake Griffin thing. But I think you're right. I would be surprised if he uh, he ends up in Utah, and I don't necessarily think he's a terrific fit. But he's a good passer, and he's been around a long time. He's a smart enough guy. Those types of players still have talent even when they can't move as athletically as they once could. But, you know, he, he's more Markeith Morris than he was prime Blake Griffin or, or these types of guys that are out there that could really help you. So I think that's the thing that, that you have to consider on that front. I think that's all the questions I got. I appreciate, again, everybody who follows uh, me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops or reads me at kslsports.com. Download the KSL Sports app. And uh, have all these podcasts and my articles delivered right to your phone. Super easy. All in one spot. We'll be back with you again next week. Enjoy the all-star break. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.